Florida Business Minds, presented by the Business Journals of Florida. Brought to you by Tico People's Gas, at the heart of Florida's energy. In this download, South Florida Business Journal Editor-in-Chief Mel Melendez welcomes community and business leader Tony Argis, who offers his perspective on the economy and giving back. Welcome, Tony. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Florida Business Minds. Thank you, Mel, and thank you, South Florida Business Journal, for uh, having me today. Now, you're the South Florida Managing Partner for BDO USA LLP. And before that, you led MBAF as its CEO and chairman, growing the company's number of offices, CPAs, and revenues, which by 2020 had surpassed the 150 million mark. You were also named one of our South Florida Ultimate CEOs and were the recipient of our Lifetime Achievement Award. So needless to say, um, you've been a pillar of our business community for decades, all of which, of course, led to BDO's interest in acquiring MBAF in 2021. So I thought, who better than Tony to chat about the company post-acquisition and to discuss any upcoming trends in the accounting industry. So let's get started. Now, prior to the acquisition, MBAF had expanded its footprint outside of the Sunshine State. You had offices in New York, Maryland, Colorado, Nevada, and even India. And now you're part of BDO, a global powerhouse in the accounting arena. So tell me, how are things post-acquisition and how has the merger benefited the company? It's been a great merger. Uh, you know, the decision to combine with BDO back in 2021 came from really a position of strength that we had. MBAF was able to bring, you know, a lot of revenue to BDO in the South Florida and the Florida area. So, you know, MBAF bolstered BDO's Florida presence. And now our clients have access to BDO's uh robust uh, suite of resources. This also created more opportunities for our people as well as for the communities we serve. Now, since then, the expansion has reaffirmed that MBAF was really a perfect fit for to join BDO for a few reasons. BDO wanted to significantly bolster its existing presence in the Florida market, where MBAF had strong presence and was a leader across the industry. You know, we also enhanced our expertise in few key practice areas like litigation, automotive dealerships, advisory, assurance, and tax. On the other side, BDO's uh, depth bench digital capabilities provided us with like numerous opportunities for our clients, including digital strategy, data analytics, change management, IT outsourcing, risk and compliance, cybersecurity, uh, cloud solutions and applications uh, development. So overall, the combination has significantly increased BDO's presence in key hubs in Florida, including South Florida and Orlando. As a result, the expanded team has allowed us to accommodate a larger breadth of clients varying in size, scope, and practice area. As a combination, our goals and our budgets, we've been able to beat that over the last 28 months they close over $15 million higher than what our, our budgets were because of this combination. That's great. That's great to hear. Now, you were merging with BDO during the COVID-19 pandemic, a time when many companies had employees working remotely. So what was that like? And were there any strategies implemented during COVID that you still use today? 
you know, most definitely like everybody else, you know, part of the strategy was either Teams or Zoom during MBAF and from March 20th all the way to the end of uh, December of 2020. Obviously, we would try to communicate through Zoom, the either Team Zoom, like everybody was, because it was the only way to really get the staff going and motivate them and know that they were providing tremendous value in what they were doing and and continue to make everything together sort of work. And one of my responsibilities uh, was to really strike the right balance between generating like consistent revenues while overseeing the South Florida employees during their transitions to our remote work environment, it quickly became apparent that balance would be more delicate than ever uh, to resist new efficiencies and lower productivity. Our team quickly prioritized the need to adapt our personnel to this new circumstances by pushing, you know, for like the adoption of emerging technologies and help our digitize key operations and practices that complemented a remote workflow and also streamline communications when problems arose. Additionally, we started tailoring and standardizing offices onboarding process for new hires who would otherwise struggle to orient themselves without the in-person learning opportunities that weren't possible during the pandemic. This helped bring new personnel up to speed faster and allowed the individuals responsible for training them to spend less time onboarding and more focus on billable time. But, you know, there we've really used the resources of BDO that are amazing in terms of training and a lot of the web access and the web training that are, you know, really revolutionary. Nice. Yeah. I mean, it's a whole new world. When I was doing my research for this podcast, I kept reading about how technology has completely transformed the accounting industry. Um, So what's your take on how technology is impacting the sector? And what do you see as the next big trends in accounting, say, over the next decade? I mean, definitely, you know, I, I mean, everybody talks about AI, but as you've seen, you know, the stock market really take off on some of the companies that are implementing AI and, and are further ahead. I think, you know, AI is going to be part of the accounting business, whether it's, uh, you know, even in spreadsheets, whether it's projections, uh, they're going to be able, you know, as you work with AI, you're going to be able to do a lot of the information that we do through spreadsheets, uh, but it takes a lot of sort of brain power to do it. You know, you're going to be talking to AI just like you do with Alexa, and you're going to be able to get spreadsheets, you're going to be able to get projections, a lot of things that are going to change. As we know, South Florida accounting firms are consistently learning about how artificial intelligence, robotic process automation, and other technologies will continue to change the role of accountants. But, you know, looking at statistics that I was sort of reading before discussion here, 70% of organizations are in explorative mode with generative AI, according to Gardner, and 49% of CEOs believe that tech disruptors will have a significant impact on revenue over the next 10 years. Across the accounting industry, 
you know, we see in this technology affect numerous capabilities, including data analytics. Today, a lot of audits are done with data analytics to save a lot of time and do a, instead of just sampling, you know, be able to look at a lot more data, process automation, demand forecasting, compliance, and these things will get even better. You know, process automation, AI, and new technologies will automate a lot of these repetitive and rule-based tasks that'll free up resources. As I heard the other day, the new president of University of Florida talk the effect of AI and the professional practices. And it's amazing. You know, we're going to be so relied on it and we're going to be more reviewing the output than anything else, like controlling the output. So it doesn't happen like that lawyer that went to um, Chad GP and did a whole brief and some of the court cases were incorrect. I mean, that's our part that makes sure that the data that comes out that that is correct and makes sense. And that's what the University of Florida, I think his name is Ben Sassy, was saying when I heard him speak. So this is also going to improve our whole operational efficiency and reduce a lot of errors and enhance you know, productivity. The same way with data management and analysis, you know, the new tech will assist in automating data management tasks, including data cleaning, integration, and organization. It also provides advanced analytics capabilities to extract like insights from complex and unstructured data sets. And that'll enable uh, data-driven decision-making, demand forecasting, and tax research the same way that, you know, you can ask GT, hey, tell me about, you know, the current economic climate in Florida. Tax research is going to be working that way. And, you know, as AI progresses, your capabilities are going to grow because now, you know, these individuals that are the real tech girls out in the field now, everybody's going to have those basic capabilities because AI is going to provide it. And they're going to say, well, you know, IRC section such and such, you got to look at this and you got to combine it with this other section. And that's how look at these court cases and whether it's valuations, it's going to be the same. Look at these court cases that have occurred all across America, the different districts and what they're saying about discount rates or what they're saying about cap, uh, mainly discount rates, for example, or um, how people are arriving or what the courts think, things that you manually have to read now, what the courts think right now as to the use of this technique or that technique. Strategic decision-making, AI will help accounting firms in making data-driven strategic decisions with much more predictive modeling, scenario analysis, and optimization capabilities. And even the whole regulatory requirements that the PCAOB and auditing standards, uh, these AI capabilities will be out on the field. And sure, you're still going to have to look and make sure that it's right, but AI is going to have the capability to guide you and lead you in a lot of these areas. So, you know, obviously as our population trend, I don't know if you saw the average population in the U.S. is 38 years old. I mean, it used to be in the, thir in the er low 30s and late uh, high 20s. And 
you know, that just means that we're becoming, and with less and less immigration, we're becoming more and more like the Japanese. And in order to continue to grow our economy, you know, you're going to have to do it with the same amount of jobs and still generating that production, that whole gross national product increase. And it's all going to be sort of AI will be our our savior when it comes to that, and especially, you know, if we stop relying on the immigration that has helped our country, you know, so tremendously over the last years. And when you compare the U.S. against Japan and Europe, I mean, we're thriving because of our immigration and the growth in the economy because of our population growth and immigration and also the reproduction from that. Tony Yarkey is joining us. Next, his take on the economy and the possibility of a recession. When Florida Business Minds continues. People's Gas, working with businesses across Florida to lower energy usage and costs with efficient natural gas. Get cash back energy conservation rebates when you install new natural gas equipment. Learn more at peoplesgas.com slash biz rebates. Now, many of the local executives I've spoken to are a tad concerned about the softening of the economy and a potential recession. How worried are you about the economy and should there be a recession? How do you think the accounting sector and the South Florida economy overall will fare? I mean, all you got to think of the state of Florida, we're a one trillion economy. I mean, we're over a trillion. That's, I think we're only one of uh, three or four states out of 50. Our unemployment at 2.6, I think statewide is uh, among the top 10 in the country. So that's one fifth of the states or, you know, we're better than 80% of the rest of the states. You look at Florida's been economy where you see land value and housing prices, peaks and valleys. I mean, although the economy has sort of stalled a little bit because of the Fed with the increases in the Fed rates in order to slower the economy and try to bring down inflation, which has really been coming down quickly, but the Fed's still not finished. But even with all those negatives out there, you know, I mean, the stock market is telling you that things are going to be looking good. Because, I mean, we've had almost an all-time high in the S&P. Short sellers have really gotten killed in the last uh, few months or so. So, you know, it's all robust. And we're sitting in Florida. We haven't seen those peaks and valleys. Inventories are down. Housing prices are still up. There's no more land. I think some of our biggest problems is really affordable housing to be able to bring the workforce down here. Because if if you didn't have a house in the past to get into the market, it's just really, really out of the reach of a lot of even four and five hundred thousand dollar a year earners. So can you imagine? So affordable housing is a must here. Another statistic that I saw, I think within the last, in 20 and 21, there was close to 35 billion of taxable income that came from New York, primarily New York, but other states too, including California that moved into Florida. Well, 
I mean, where are the New Yorkers moving to? They're moving to South Florida. So, I mean, that is extra. That's like unbelievable net worth and income that's coming in here. You know, then you have people like the Citadel that still hasn't even moved all their all their executives down here. That's going to be a difficult situation for housing prices here because all the, you know, with inventory down and prices going up and limited supply, because we have the Atlantic Ocean to the east and the Everglades to the west. So, you know, there's no more land down here. So I don't really see the peaks and valleys for a while. Hopefully we won't be San Francisco where everybody starts moving out because of the housing prices and all. But I'm very, you know, bullish on Miami and South Florida. I think that, you know, we're probably one of the top five, six, seven, eight areas in the whole country in terms of economic growth and, you know, the the political situation in, in Latin America and Central America is not going to change. So, you know, that's just more people and more money moving into South Florida. So my biggest concern is the whole climate change because the business climate with the low rates, all these people moving in, the housing prices, land prices, banks are in great shape down here. I mean, it's just... Uh, full speed ahead. So, you know, hopefully we won't get many hurricanes down here and that, you know, people in in sea level, the whole sea level issue in the long term won't kill us or put us out of extension. I wanted to talk a little bit more on a personal note because your commitment to improving the South Florida community is, is well documented. It's one of the things so many of us admire about you. Can you share what drives your commitment to give back to others? I mean, you know, Mel, it's it's just easy. First, as a Catholic and believing in social justice, you know, I came to this country. A lot of Cubans say that they were exiles. But, you know, yeah, sure. You know, everybody thought you were going back. But I always consider myself as a refugee, you know, and I came here. At nine, without my parents, a Catholic church was my legal guardian for five years until I reunited with my parents. So I think it's critical for me to give back, you know, my prior associations with the United Way, with the Orange Bowl Committee, with the chamber, my partners that mentored me when I was a kid, they were all, you know, Jews. And I mean, I think the world of, you know, what Jews have been able to, how they've been able to help Cubans. And I went with, with the Greater Miami Jewish Federation to Israel. It was my wife and I, it was one of the greatest times in our life. I mean, to spend seven or eight days in Israel and see what my former deceased partners used to tell me about the deserts and all. I mean, what a country and what a system and but I look all around South Florida and there's such a need. It's like the Alice Project of the United Way. I mean, 50% or more of the people in South Florida live from paycheck to paycheck. So I think that I've been fortunate and blessed. And the only thing that I could do in life is, you know, other than take care of my kids and my grandkids is really to help our community out. So I always try to do my best in that area because... I mean, you, you know, you got to continue to plant seeds 
for future generations and, you know, past generations that made what South Florida is today. And we have to continue to to develop the area and make it, you know, as beautiful as it is for us today for future generations. So giving back is just, you know, not only the social justice that I believe in from being a Catholic, but it's what my heart always tells me. Well, I know the community is very appreciative, uh, Tony, because you have definitely helped improve South Florida. So we've reached the end of our podcast, but Thank you so much for being our guest today, Tony. As always, it's been a genuine pleasure to chat with you. So I know our listeners will enjoy the conversation very much. Thank you, Mel, and thank you to the South Florida Business Journal. It's always great to work with you all. Take good care. It's great catching up. Thank you for downloading Florida Business Minds, presented by the Business Journals of Florida. Brought to you by Tico People's Gas, at the heart of Florida's energy.